Welcome, we're so glad to have you here with us. If you are able, please stand to your feet as we get ready to worship together this morning.
of our life, the things that we consider maybe the failures of life or the times where we've been hurt. He, ta he takes the things of our life that we would consider negative, and he does what only he can do because, because he, is, he is the master gardener, you know that? You know, there, there are places on this earth that you can't grow stuff. You're not going to grow anything in the middle of a desert, right? But you know, God can take something that seems impossible and then do something with it. He's a master gardener. He, he can grow something in the desert. You know that? He can grow something wonderful and beautiful out of the brokenness and what we consider the ashes of our life. That's what he does. He's amazing. See, the Bible says that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. It's that simple. That we will just reach out to Him in the midst of our life, in the midst of the happenings and the circumstances of our life. He will respond, not only to save us, not only to forgive us of our sins, but then in those broken places, in the areas that we think are the deserts of our life or, or the ashes of life where something was that got burnt down by circumstances. And he will be the master gardener who'll grow something wonderful and beautiful right there. That's what he does. I believe that. God is doing something wonderful in you. He is. And I hope you believe that, and I hope you're able to start to see it. That, that's the kingdom of God. The Bible talks about the kingdom of God in such a way that Jesus said it's like a plant that grows. Until it becomes the, the biggest tree or biggest plant there, that even the birds of the air will come roost on it. 
There's something growing in you. And it's the work of God. It's the kingdom of God. It's the outworking of salvation. I would encourage you this morning, and we're, we're going to partake of communion in just a moment if, if you want to. Then cry out to him. Call on him to do a work in you. And let's just see in time what he can do. Because anything's possible with him. I believe that. I, I don't believe there's a, there's a limit. I don't believe there's a ceiling on what God can do. Yeah, I, I, saw, uh, I saw something, uh, I don't know, it was a couple years ago, maybe three years ago. There's an organization in the Middle East. As you know, there's, there's been consistent conflict over there for years, almost for centuries. But, but our context, you have Israel and Palestine and, and all the issues that happen there. And every now and then they kind of launch shells at each other, you know, and it's just this constant. This organization takes these exploded shells, the scrap metal, and they create flowers out of them, these beautiful works of sculpture and artwork. What man intended to do to harm one another, they take and do something beautiful with it, and they're trying to make a statement. That's very symbolic to me of what God does. And the things that we do that, that may end in destruction, he's able to take those things and turn them around and do something wonderful with it. That's what this song's about. Graves into gardens. Ashes turned to something beautiful. I want you to know that God not only will do that, but I believe he is doing that. And I'll encourage you if you don't feel that way, if, you don't, if you don't, you're not comprehending that in your life, to start to look for it, start to see it. Because I think we have a tendency to look at ourselves and just see all the things that are wrong and all the brokenness and all the hurt and all the mistakes that we made and that, that becomes our, our view of ourself. But, but God doesn't ignore those things, but he sees those things and then he grabs hold of it, then he does his work. I want you to see that and know that. That God is doing something wonderful in you. Amen? But, but how is that possible? Right here. The work of Jesus on the cross, his death and his resurrection, death in our place, paying the ultimate penny, penalty for sin, the wages of sin is death. By his blood, then our, our sins are forgiven in finality. He rose again on the third day, right? And we get Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is the newness of life that brought out of death. New creation is what comes out of death when God's involved. And that work that I'm talking about happens because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Then the, the finality, the stamp of that work is the resurrection of Jesus. The foreshadowing of what is to come for us later, but the work is already happening right now as, as the plant is growing, as the yeast is being worked through the dough like the parable. So if you wish to today, you don't have to, but if you want to, I want you to kind of file in the center, grab the communion element, head back to your seat. We'll partake together. And we're going to 
do this in remembrance of Jesus. For the work that he has done for us that ultimately leads to our new creation and newness in him. elements are, are, are symbolic. Of the body and the blood of Jesus. At the Last Supper, he took the Passover meal and he reoriented the entire thing to himself. The wonderful stories of Israel and the Passover and, and all that encompassed. Jesus reoriented because he's the fulfillment of all those things. And he says that we do this in remembrance of him. In other words, we proclaim his death until he comes physically again. But we're about ready to enter, and I think most of you are already there in our Christmas season. We'll start our Christmas series next week. Proclaiming that Jesus has come, Advent, God in flesh on this earth. See, the stories of the Bible that we see like this, I think sometimes we, we read about the death of Jesus so much it becomes kind of cliche a little bit. It's just a story. No, God came in flesh on this earth and lived a human life, just like us. And he literally died, suffered a crucifixion. Body crucified, bloodshed. And one of the reasons that we do this in remembrance of him and take a physical, this is literally physical, we're going we're gonna to partake and this is going to be, be eaten and, and, and to be drank and we literally go into our body physically because it's a reminder that it was actually a real physical act. Not just symbolic. A real physical act. So as we partake together, we're remembering the death of Jesus on the cross, the forgiveness of our sin, and then that opportunity of, of new life. Amen? So Lord, we thank you for your body crucified. Crucified on a cross. A brutal death. But you did so in our place. The wage of sin of the world for all of humanity, you took that to the cross and bore our sins in your body, as it says in 1 Peter. You gave yourself for us. And Lord, we thank you that your physical death ultimately grants us new life. 
And today, Lord, we partake of this bread together in remembrance of what you have done. Partake of the bread together. And of course, then, your, the blood of Jesus was shed. As the Bible says, there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. The mysteries of God. That the blood of Jesus was more than enough to be the one that John the Baptist proclaimed, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. More than enough. He has come to deal with our sin. He has come to forgive our sin. He has come to restore proper, reconciled relationship to God. He is the way. And the shedding of his blood is the avenue. So if your sins are forgiven, if you have ever asked, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins, you have been forgiven. And this is why, and this is how. So we partake of this cup together in the knowing understanding that we have been forgiven. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your forgiveness that comes from your grace and your mercy. That your willingness to pay that price so we can be free. Let's partake of the cup together. So if you would, right where you are, let's just, just worship him for a moment. I know we've we got a, a couple more songs of praise and worship to sing, but just you right now, let's us together in your voice, in your words, just worship him for a minute. Thank him for what he has done for you. And we praise you, Jesus. And we worship you, Lord Jesus. For you are great. And you are worthy of all of our praise. You are lifted high. You are lifted so high. And you draw all of us to you. Not only in your crucifixion, Lord, but then the avenue of new life. We thank you for that. You are so worthy. You are so wonderful. You are our God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. There is no other way. You respond when we call. You are there for our every need. You guide us and you lead us and you walk with us. You are our example. We look to you. To know what it means to live life in the abundance of your kingdom. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.
going to sing that bridge again. And I'm just being reminded over and over in the Word. It seems like something bad was going to happen, but God was working the whole time. Just thinking about Moses and his mother who had to put a sleeping babe in a basket and the fear she must have had. But God was working the whole time. He was going to use that baby to free his people. Our God is so good. He's just so good. Do you believe he's good? Because he's working in your life right now. Things that had to happen for you to get where you are. Things that have had to happen for the breakthrough that you've been praying for. He's here right now. He's working right now. All for your good. All for his glory. If we can just believe that he is who the Bible says he is. And that he is going to do the things that the word says he's going to do. What kind of faith could we have? Who cares if there's a big city around? If we, if we yell, it's going to crumble. Who cares if there's a sea in front of us because he can part it? Who cares if there's a storm because he can come and even the waves obey his holy name? So let's just sing that again with the confidence that we are serving a mighty God. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. That is the God that we serve. And even when it doesn't seem like he's working, he is moving. He is moving things in heaven and on earth for our good. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop. You never stop working. Never stop. Stop
some of your family of faith.
Well, it's good to have you. Well, I'm glad you're here today. We'll prepare to take up tithe and offerings, so if you do have something to give today, there's offering envelopes in the chair in front of you, or you can wave your hand around and one of the ushers will help you out if there's not one there. But uh, let's get ready to pray over tithe and offering, and if you have something, you can bring it down to um, the buckets this morning, baskets, whatever these things are. Lord, we thank you to be able to come to your house and worship and fellowship and to be with one another in unity in who you are. And I pray in Jesus' name, as we give this morning, that we give with a cheerful heart, an abundant heart, for your goodness in who you are. So Lord, we praise you today and we worship you today, and we give, Lord, in faith in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bring it forward if you have something this morning. Now, if you happen to kind of look around the room, it looks a little scarce today. I feel like it's a Wednesday night a little bit. That's because we have entire families that are out not feeling well today. I was getting notifications all weekend of people being sick. So please pray. Uh, we want to get through this, whatever bug this is going around. That uh, So many families. I know there may be some people traveling for Thanksgiving, but a lot of people are not feeling well. So I'm assuming we have a bunch of you watching on live stream. We're praying for you. And we're believing you're going to get over this and be back to normal tomorrow. So be in prayer today and as, as we lift our families aren't feeling well up. But having said that, I do have some announcements today. So uh, as we're heading, I think I got a little bit of a ring. Is that just me? Sounds like there, there was a ring. Yeah, could we turn me down just a hair? I got, I got some feedback. Some feedback going on. Um, some announcements real quick. Uh, church-wide prayer tomorrow from 6 to 7, okay? So it'll be our last church-wide prayer for the year because we do not have church-wide prayer in December on Mondays. But tomorrow from 6 to 7, uh, church-wide prayer. So be here for that. And then we'll pick up church-wide prayer in January when we kick off the 21 days of prayer. We'll tell you more about that. That kicks off on January the 8th. Can't believe I'm already talking about the next year. Anyhow. Uh, and then some December things happening. December 14th, which is a Wednesday night, the youth hangout night will be a youth Christmas party. It's an ugly sweater Christmas party. So they're going to have fun. Uh, so let your young people know about that. That's from 5th through 12th grade. Um, and then December the 17th, there's a ladies' cookies exchange. Uh, that's from 2 to 4. That's a Saturday. Please sign up in the back, okay, for that. And then uh, we have our Christmas Eve candlelight service on uh, the day before Christmas, that's a Saturday, the 24th at 6.30. And then Christmas is on a Sunday this year. Uh, we do have a service on that day, so if you don't have family gathering, we will have church, so come on out and be here with us for that. Uh, along with that, back at the back table, if you're interested, uh, we have these uh, uh, Christmas devotions, and I think December 1st is what day this week? Thursday, maybe? Something like that. I don't know what day a week it is, but this week. But uh, you can pick one of these up back at the back, and it's a devotion, a short devotion for every day in December leading up 
uh, to Christmas Day. It's entitled The Wondrous Story, so you can pick that up in the back. And having said that, if you're new with us today, we'd love for you to, or if you've been with us, if you've never filled one of these out, we'd love for you to fill out uh, one of these Connect cards that's in the chair in front of you. And then afterwards, Miss Kelly right there, give it to her. She has something for you. But it's just our way to get connected with you. We won't pound you with anything or phone calls and, and stuff like that. But uh, please fill that out and get that to Kelly. Okay, Sunday, December 11th, Joy Fellows is going to get together for a fun afternoon evening, right? We're going to have a white elephant gift. A white elephant gift. It's not actually a white elephant. Okay, don't go buy one. I'm, I'm kidding. You know what that is. Yeah. Okay, well, if you have uh, information about that, see Pat or uh, Patsy or Bill, okay? Can you make sure all the lights are up the whole way? One of them's flickering. I appreciate that. That flickering light would drive me insane. Until I was done today. All right. All right. If you got your Bibles, Matthew chapter six. We're going to close out what we've been talking about uh, here in November. Next week we'll begin our Christmas series entitled "He Is Here," and I'm looking forward to that. But I'm looking forward to today. Wednesday we've been talking about thankfulness, um, and last week we we talked about contentment. As Paul writes to Timothy. 1 Timothy uh, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, contentment is satisfaction, okay, that my present situation is enough in him. It doesn't mean you can't have plans. It doesn't mean you ha can't have goals. It doesn't mean you can't have dreams. It doesn't mean there are certain things you want to achieve in life. But in your current situation, you're content. You're satisfied in him because as Paul writes, and, and this, this great verse that you hear quoted so much is in the context of, of, of not having and also having. Paul writes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's in the context of Paul saying there are times when I don't have a lot. There's times when, when it hasn't been good, but there's also been good times. No matter the situation, I can do this. I can make it because it's in Christ that I have strength. I can do anything in him so I can learn to be content. So whatever your situation is, you can be content and satisfied because of him. Now, I want to follow that up today, uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19. Now, I'm going to read a little bit of, of a passage here. This is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount the longest continuous teaching that we have uh, together of Jesus in the Gospels. And this really speaks for itself. So I'm not going to rush through this. It's, a, it's a, a few verses. But I want this to speak to you. I want you to catch what Jesus is saying in your heart because this is so important. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For he will hate the one and love the other. He will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much how, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who don't know God, seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's a comforting discourse from Jesus about provision in life. See, we can learn to be content, satisfied, based on what we believe about God, and then with that, what we believe about the life to come. What we believe today about God, who he is and what he does, but also our understanding and our belief about the life to come. So as we were talking last week, Remember, the goal of life is not how much stuff you have. Amen. Jesus said it very straight out. He said, Luke chapter 12, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Amen. Possessions themselves are not wrong as long as you don't consider that's the best thing of life. That's the goal of life. I have had a good life. Or I've succeeded in life because look at all my stuff. Look at my house, my cars, look at my bank account, look at whatever you consider success. The good life, as we said last week, Micah chapter 6, Jesus echoes it in, in the great command and was connected to it. Micah says, uh, the prophet, that we're to do justice, love mercy, that's how we treat other people. And humbly walk with our God, that's the good life. How we walk with God and how we treat other people. Jesus echoes that uh, when, when he's asked what the great command is. He said, love God with everything you have and love your neighbors yourself. Saying the same thing. The good life, successful life, and I, 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 I always am 
kind of sketchy on using the word success when it comes to the Christian life, by the way. But if you want to know what the good life is or what the Bible says the successful Christian life is, learning to love God and learning to love others, that's much more valuable than the stuff you can have. As we were looking in, in 1 Timothy last week, when Paul says godliness with contentment is great gain, he rolls into this. Money can be the root of all kinds of evil. People lose their life chasing it. They didn't learn to be content in him. See, the focus of life should be storing up, as Jesus says here, treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven is another way of the reward of a life with God. That's our eternity. The reward of a life following God. In other words, we are to be concerned about things of eternal significance. See, the kind of treasure in heaven, again, it's eternal. It never fades. It doesn't go away. It's not destroyed. Everything you get in this world, again, just I don't want to repeat too much last week, but everything you get in this world will eventually fall apart. Isn't that right? You know that, so, okay, so, so uh, this is something that fascinates me. What God makes eventually always overtakes what man makes, you know that? Every time. Build a, you can build a very nice house. Even you can try to upkeep that house. Eventually, that house will come to disrepair and ruin, overtaken by what God makes. The, the Great Wall of China, one of the wonders of the world, this massive wall that they, they built to keep invaders out. You know, you see the pictures of it. Uh, the, that, that it looks good and still in shape and people are walking on Those are very small portions of it. The rest of it has been overgrown by nature. Do you know that? Even some of the greatest thing man does, what God makes overtakes it. Possessions are not worth your eternity. That we must live in a way that we're storing up treasure in heaven, not concerned first and foremost with anything you can gain here. See, Jesus says where, where your treasure is, what you value the most, that's where your heart's going to be. The heart is sort of the seed of who you are. So what your heart is about, that's what you'll think about. It's what you'll be most concerned with. It'll be what drives you in life. You'll put your goals and all that, and it'll be wrapped up in that treasure. Don't have misplaced values in life. The Christian life changes your values, you know that? Where the world says success is this, Jesus says now success is actually this. And what you think you gain by being successful over here, if you just seek his kingdom first, then there'll be a measure of added unto you anyways. Like we were saying last week, don't trade what is valuable for stuff that fades away. There's something I want you to know. If you're a note taker, write this down. While you live this life now, do not forget about the life to come. As you're living life right now, 
Do not forget about the life to come. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, look, there are constantly things that are competing for your attention. One of those things, because we're humans and we live in this world, one of the things that's constantly competing for our attention is things, stuff, possessions, money. It's something that drives people. Some people make it their ultimate treasure. But when your treasure is stuff that fades away, when your focus, when your goals and, and success of life to you is in things that fade away, you've lost sight of a life to come because that's where the real treasure of reward is. Some people trade that to have this. And it's a bad trade, by the way. So, so I was a kid growing up, like most kids my age growing up, I had a mass, I still have them actually, I have a massive amount of football cards. You know what I'm talking about, picture cards, get to the grocery store. So when I was a kid, every time my mom went grocery shopping, she'd come back with a pack of football cards. And if you're old enough to remember, it always came with this super hard, stale stick of gum in there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I actually literally have probably two or 3,000 football cards. Some of them are worth some money. My boys right now are already after me. They're like I'm going to die next week or something. They're competing for who's going to get my cards, okay? I'm going to be like Solomon. I'm going to cut them right in half and split them, okay? So anyways, so when I was a kid, what we did was we, we'd get together and we'd have our cards and we'd try to make trades. And what you were about is trying to fleece your buddy to get cards you want for stuff you don't want. In other words, you're trying to get players you like. Now, at that age, we weren't really understanding value, but it was about teams and players, and, and so it was, it was trying to get the better of the deal. Let me tell you something. Don't get fleeced by the world thinking that having stuff here is better than the gaining of what's life to come. Don't get fleeced. Live life today in light of knowing that there is an eternal life coming. Now, I understand you are living now. I understand there is a life to live now. But let the focus and understanding of life, knowing that there is this eternal life to come. How much you believe in the life to come will change how you live today. Isn't that right? How much you believe in life to come will change how you live today. And that's why Jesus says this. He says, look, yeah, you can gain treasure here, but it's not worth losing the treasure of eternal life to come. It's not worth it. Keep your focus there. That is most important. I think, I think uh, one of the marks of the Christian life is coming to a, a faithful hope. And what the Bible says is actually coming. What you see now is not the end of the story. You know that. Actually, it's a very, very small couple of pages of the story. The Bible says that this life that we live in is, is like a vapor. We think if we live a good life, let's say you crack over 90 years old, you've lived a long, good life. But that's a vapor in light of eternity. 
that we have an understanding. And I believe, listen, I believe very strongly in the life to come. I believe in eternal reward with him. I believe in a resurrected body. I believe all of that very strongly so much that it changes my perspective of life today. So, so I've been pastoring for almost 30 years. I've done my share of funerals. Some of them tragic. Some of them were of a, of a life long lived. We mourn those times, but there's a bigger picture happening. Because at every funeral I've ever done, I always say this, this is not the end. Tragic or long life, this is not the end. We believe in a life to come. And we believe in life to come so much it changes how we live today. So make no mistake, as Jesus goes on to keep saying, make no mistake that in light of that, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and possessions. You can't serve God and having things. can't serve them both. I'll tell you why. Because it is our human nature to focus what's on right in front of us. I believe God is real. I believe his presence is with us. I believe he's in me. I believe I live life in him. But yet the shirt I wear is actually in a way more tangible than he is right now. Because I can feel it. I can see it. This is, this is whatever this is. It's not creepy, but I could maybe hear it. I'm not going to. I could probably taste it. <laughs> I just put this on this morning, so it's okay. I can smell it. Right? It's tangible. We have a tendency to focus and drive ourselves on what we can sense with our five senses. When you start to serve that, that becomes your way of life. You can't serve both God and things. See, see what Jesus was saying right before that kind of, uh, what is he talking about that is about the, the, the lamp, the eye of the body, if it's dark. When you get clouded up with the wrong motivations and the wrong values, the inside of you becomes dark. In other words, you're serving the wrong things. That ultimately is idolatry. Money, possessions, things, things you can have and touch and smell and see can become idols in your life. You can't serve those things and also serve God. So Jesus is making very clear, look, there will be life in front of you that is lived in such a way by the surrounding society that puts an emphasis on things and stuff and money. Don't get fleeced in believing that's what life is all about. Don't trade eternal value for value here. See, if you serve God, if you do, as Jesus is continuing to say here, you really don't have to worry about that stuff. Because in serving God, you have faith that he is your provider. Isn't that right? Faith in God is faith for all of our needs. Spiritual, right? Physical, financial, emotional, relational. He is our provider in all things. 
And where things don't end up being perfect, here they will be in life to come. That's the big picture. That's our hope. By the way, my hope, by the way, my hope, this is important, my hope is not in all the outcomes of this life that I live while I'm on this earth. My hope is in the return of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. Because in that, he will right everything that has been wrong. Okay, so the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. Okay. Now, how many of you have committed your life to Jesus and you were forgiven? Let me see. Now, wait a second. If you live to be old enough, are you still going to die? Wait a minute. I thought the wage of sin is death, but I've been forgiven, and that sin has been cleansed me. Why am I still going to die? Because the fullness of the kingdom is yet to come. That's where my hope is. I have hope for things in life. I pray about things in this life. I have faith in things that, that work out in this life. But yet, ultimately, my hope is in the return of Jesus, the resurrection of the dead, and when all things are made new. Right? Storing up treasure in heaven. That I live life in a way that I am doing that. We say, well, how do you do that? We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, Jesus makes a comparison here between people, human beings, and a bird. People and human beings and grass. Now, I understand the comparison, but it's not entirely fair. Because I need more to live than a bird does. Is that true? I certainly need more to live than the grass does. <laughs> I need food. Yeah, certainly, I'm glad, I'm, you're glad I have clothing. Um, I, I need, I, the way society's functioning, I need some income to pay bills, to be able to buy food. Okay, the way society's structured, I have needs. More than the bird does, more than the grass does, but Jesus is making a point. The things that he made that we consider nature are being taken care of in the provision of the very first, in the beginning, God created. And it has not stopped. The birds that continue to reproduce from the very first time that he made them are still being there today, still being cared for in the miracle provision that God made from the start. The grass is still growing. We don't have to make it grow. It does it by itself. Why? Because God said. That miracle of of creation that continually goes and is provided for. And he says, now look, I care for the birds. I care for the grass. I made it. But to me, you are much more valuable than they are. Do you not think that I'm going to take care of you? Don't you think that I'm going to provide for you? Don't you think that I know what you need? I made you the way you are. I made this world the way it functions. I know what you need. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about the provisions of life. Because God is our provider. And if you're going to take care of the birds, he's going to take care of you. If, if you think, if you look at the creation and think it's wonderful, I do, I, I love creation, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. If you think that's beautiful, how much more is he going to take care of you? Because in that beauty, he takes care of you also. God provides. So, don't be anxious about stuff. Now, don't be anxious about acquiring things, again, don't make that an idol, but then in the basics of life, also don't be anxious about that. 
seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's how you store up treasure in heaven. How, how do I store up treasure? Seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness, and all these things that people chase after that don't know God, he's going to add to you anyways. But in a way in your life where it's not your idol, it's not the goal, it is not the means of success, it's not in a way that you focus on that so much that you lose the life to come. But he will provide for you. Now, now I get it, I get it. And, and my wife, we've been there uh, at times ourselves. There are times when it's tough. There are times when it seems like things are paycheck to paycheck, maybe behind, you know, sometimes when it rains, it pours, the car breaks down, then the washing machine goes out, you know, and things are happening, right? In those times, remember, God is your provider. Is he aware of these things? Yeah. By the way, when you don't, you don't cast your cares into worry and anxiousness. You cast your cares to him. Now, when you cast your cares to him, does he know what you need already? Do you realize that's more much about your faith than it is about him responding to you? That's as much about you trusting him as it is him responding to your prayers. Because when you cast your cares upon him and he knows what you need, what you're doing is saying, I'm not going to give myself the anxiousness, but I'm going to trust in my provider. And what does God do? As we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And if you have, by the way, if you have this day your daily bread, you will be content. If you have some clothes in the closet, You'd be content. Not getting caught up in everything I don't have. Because when I get caught up in everything I don't have, then I become like the people who don't know God. I chase after those things. But I learn to be content in all circumstances. Why? Because I believe that he is my provider. So what we do is then we learn how to be people who seek first the kingdom of God. So write this down. This is another one I want you to know. We'll talk about this part of it. What we do in life is we replace the seeking of worldly things with the seeking of God's kingdom and his righteousness. You see that? When Jesus says, look, seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness, and I'll add all these things unto you. What he's saying to you is this. Look, don't chase after the worldly things. Seek his kingdom. Seek God's kingdom. Seek his righteousness. There's a replacement because people who don't know God seek the other stuff. And what the thing about the Christian life is, it goes like this. It's not so much that you stop doing stuff. It's that it's not just stop doing certain things, but also start doing this stuff. There's a trade. There's a replacing. I don't just stop seeking worldly things, but I replace it with starting to seek godly things. We don't just stop, but we start. You're not just saved from stuff, you're saved to stuff. There's a life that we live that we learn to live in him. You see that? 
So it's not just that I, I stop seeking worldly wealth as a means of success, but then I also start seeking good life in him. And that's found in kingdom and righteousness. What, what, is, what is the kingdom of God? What does that mean? It is the will of God. It is the ways of God. The kingdom of God is the reign and rule of God coming on a lost earth. Not in physical uh, national borders, but wherever the kingdom is where somebody's saved. So seeking God's kingdom first is saying, I'm seeking your will. How do I live this life? I'm seeking your ways. How do I live this life? I'm seeking what it means to live as somebody who picks up their cross and follows you. And his righteousness is submission to it. So how do I store up treasure in heaven? Seek the ways of God in this world. How do I live in the midst of a lost world? That's treasure in heaven. And you replace that with seeking after all this other stuff. And what happens is when you seek after what God is putting in front of you, now life in abundance is put in its proper perspective. Abundant life is here, not here. Abundant life is freedom from sin, not all the stuff I can get. Abundant life is loving my neighbor instead of anger and harshness and yelling and screaming and grudges and trying to get your way and forcing people to do it your way. No, 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 no. Abundant life is loving your neighbor. New perspective. A new way of living human in a lost and sinful world. That is headed for treasure in heaven. And in the whole time, he's adding unto you anyways. This day your daily bread, the provisions of life, because he cares for you. So Jesus uses these words, and his words that we, we bring up a little bit here. He says, you of little faith. Why are you worried about this? You see, he, he says little faith there. Now remember, what is little faith? Little faith is being distracted from God and what he has said. It's being distracted from Jesus and what he has said. So you are in little faith, in other words, being distracted from God, when you get concerned, con, uh, concerned or consumed with the worries of life for provision. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying there's not times where, where my goodness, we, it's a little tight, we've got to work some things out. But don't get consumed with the anxiousness and worries of life. Be consumed with God, and your faith will rise to be in him because he's your provider. Little faith is when we're distracted from that. We get consumed and caught up with worries and anxiousness for all those things that God said he knows about and he's going to provide anyways. You believe that? So we replace chasing after this stuff, worldly things, with chasing after the kingdom and the righteousness of God. That puts a smack dab in the middle of who he is. And certainly he will care for you. Be content. You, you go home when we're done here, and you, and you look around at, at the place where you live, I'm assuming you're going to eat some lunch, whatever's on the, the, the table in front of you. You look in the mirror, the clothes that you're wearing. Be content. 
be satisfied. Seek God and his kingdom first, not that stuff. And as you grow in life and the finances change in your life and, and you do different things, and that, that's all wonderful and great, but don't think that's what life is about. Kingdom and righteousness. His will, his ways, and submission to it. That's the good life. And, and I, think, I think, especially those of us here uh, that have been in the fight of faith for a long time, they could give us some wisdom. They, they will say, yeah, I've been through some hard times. Yeah, there were times it was tight. Yeah, was, I didn't know how this was going to work out. But yet, here I am today provided for. They give us an example, a, a testimony, that God has never left them. He's never forsaken them. He hasn't forgotten about them. He wasn't too busy over here and left you and to, to fall apart and to be destroyed. But seeking the kingdom and the righteousness, and here we are provided for. Always knowing, but yet, well, what's to come? Beyond our comprehension, what's to come? That's where we're headed. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. I'll close up with that. So, so as I pray, if, if you find yourself in a, you may be today in a little bit of a financial spot. I would encourage you to cast that care upon him, and I'm, sh I'm sure you have, but do it again. So you're consumed by him and faith in him and not your worries. I pray you cast it upon him and, and once again trust him that he's going to see you through open doors, clear some trees, and make a path in the forest, whatever needs to happen. He's going to do what only he can do. And we stand in that. We believe that. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your provision. We trust you. We believe, Father, that you are our way in all things. I, I pray, Lord, that anybody here today or, or watching on live stream, Lord, if, if, if they're in worry, they're in anxiousness because of financial situations of their life, I pray, Lord, that you ease that. You bring them peace that passes our understanding. That you're going to work things out in the way that you're going to work them out. And in these times, we're going to grow, we're going to mature, but we're going to trust. And even if our faith is being tested, we are going to see you pull us through. Father, I pray that there is a, a confidence in you as we walk through life. That we're learning more and more what it means to seek your kingdom, your righteousness, and not the ways of, of a world that, that's headed the wrong way. We have confidence in who you are, and we believe very much so in this life that is coming, eternal life with you. And we're pressing on towards that. We thank you for your saving work now, but we thank you for the saving work that's to come. And Lord, it's all for your glory, by the way. It's all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you're here this morning and you have prayer requests or whatever, you want somebody to grab in faith with you, come on down. I'd love to do that before you head out. If not, Wednesday night, 
Next Sunday, we'll see you back. Bring somebody with you. Pray for everybody that's out sick. We're all back together uh, in the coming weeks. So be blessed as you go today.